Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, there's a move in Congress to increase the estate tax, or the death tax, as we like to call it in agriculture. What effect will that have on Texas farms and ranches? We'll take a look. Plus, a Texas congressman gets honored for his commitment to agriculture. We'll have that story coming up in just a bit. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The Texas Panhandle has struggled with drought for much of the past two years, so we certainly enjoyed all the rain we got in May. June, however, has been pretty dry, and that's not good for our crops. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan from Marshall, and we're talking hot, dry right now. That's what we needed, though. The rain caused us a tremendous amount of problems throughout the springtime, but the grass kept growing. Hay testing is going to be a must this year. Rebuilding pork consumption in key markets critical for maintaining export growth. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. For his commitment to sound agricultural policy, the Texas Farm Bureau and the American Farm Bureau Federation presented Texas Congressman Jody Arrington with the prestigious Golden Plow Award. Arrington says he doesn't put a lot of stock in awards, but this one is special. Just totally, profoundly humbled because, you know, the, the American farmer deserves the very best representation and the strongest voice. And I know I'm one of, of, of many who care deeply about the future of agriculture and rural America. Um, when we set out to run, and it was a family decision, and when I spoke to the voters, I said that, you know, our singular focus would be on promoting and defending agriculture and rural America and the values represented in agriculture and rural America. And this is, a, this is, as I said today, you're not supposed to care too much about awards, you know, as a leader. You're supposed to just get back in, roll up your sleeves, and go to work and solve problems and lead and, and serve. But in this case, it, it's a major validation for me and my team that what we're doing is is making a difference, having an impact, and being noticed by the folks that uh, matter the most to us. And that's, again, our our producers and our, as I say, plowboys and cowboys in small-town America. Arrington has served Texas' 19th Congressional District since 2017. A bill proposed by Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders would reduce the estate tax exemption to $3.5 million dollars. And that would put a huge tax burden on Texas farms and ranches when trying to pass the operation on to the next generation. That's the conclusion of a study released by the Texas A&M Food and Agriculture Policy Center. Dr. Bart Fisher worked on the study and says it would impact about half the farms he looked at. 
at three and a half million doubled for spouses, so seven million dollar exclusion. You know, you're you're going to have some farms that still won't be impacted, but on our uh, across all of our representative farms, there's about forty one of them uh, that would that would be hit by that reduction in the estate tax exemption. Uh, so forty one of ninety four farms were were impacted uh, to the tune of two point one seven million dollars in in tax liability. Fisher also studied the impact of eliminating stepped-up basis, saying it would impact practically every single farm in the study. If you if you put both of them together, it's going to eliminate stepped-up basis and reduce uh, the exemption down to three and a half million or seven million per couple. It would impact ninety-eight percent. Ninety-eight percent of our farms would be impacted, an average of one point four million per operation, uh, which is just incredibly hard. Uh, to climb out of, particularly if you look at you know where the farm economy has been over the last several years, you know we still have a lot of operations that are having trouble cash flowing as it is, uh, despite you know this uh, you know the outlook that's uh, at the moment much rosier, but it's coming off of some really tough years. So no question it would have an enormous impact. Dr. Bart Fisher with the Texas A&M Agriculture and Food Policy Center. The Texas Panhandle has struggled with drought for the past two years, so farmers and ranchers there really enjoyed all of the rain they received back in May. But as James Hunt tells us, June has gone right back to that dry weather pattern. Unlike our cool, wet May, here in June, precipitation totals in the Texas Panhandle are running below normal, and we've also had quite a few blazing hot days. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says even though it's still early in the corn season, how well ears will develop is already being threatened, and the crop will only become more vulnerable as the season progresses. Of course, as we move into July, that plant is developing very rapidly, growing very rapidly, and we're going to be hitting the pollination stage where the corn is tasseling and silking, and so that's when we're going to set those kernels. But then even moving into late July and August, it's important that we're not stressing that crop either because that year, that plant will abort those kernels if it does not have sufficient water to sustain all the kernels. And so we can take a yield impact at that time too. Dr. Bell also says although cotton is known as a crop that likes hot weather, even for cotton there's such a thing as too much heat. And when we get above that upper threshold and we start reaching 100 degree days or days that are hotter than 100 degrees, it becomes stressful for that plant. So that heat is no longer beneficial for growth. At that point, the plant is just trying to keep itself cool, trying to survive, and it's not necessarily accumulating as much beneficial heat as it would, say, on a 90 to 92 degree day. There's still plenty of time left in this growing season for things to turn around, and forecasts of cooler, wet weather headed our way in a few days provide encouragement. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. June has also brought hot, dry temperatures to East Texas, but James Duncan says that's exactly what they need in that region right now. In East Texas, we've finally gotten the weather that we're used to. The hay machines are running full steam ahead. Now, that's an old saying that indicates things are moving fast, but actually the humidity is so high that it is really steamy in the hay fields right now. As we cut and bale, it is good. It's stemmy. That hay's going to be stemmy because it just made too big a stalk. And so hay testing is going to be a must, according to all of our 
hay experts, and particularly in our forage-producing areas and the uh, economists from Texas A&M University system to test for the quality of that hay this year. Next thing is, with all of the rain that we had, a lot of our produce uh, was delayed from getting in. We have been really replanting right now with okra and some cotton in those little areas where we do still grow a little cotton. We're still getting some cotton planted. Now, it, this is just one of those things that happened, but the hot weather makes us all feel good right now, even though we just got to take a while to get used to it, and the tomatoes are going to harden up a little bit. The peaches are really looking good, tasting good, and the harvest is plentiful here in East Texas. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. China has been a major buyer of U.S. pork over the last year as they've tried to recover from a massive outbreak of African swine fever. But that demand is dropping as the Chinese pork industry rebuilds. Tom Nicoletti has more. A sharp decline in China's hog and pork prices is a significant concern for the world's pork exporting countries, including the United States. As China's demand for imported pork moderates, the U.S. Meat Export Federation's economist Aaron Borer says the key to maintaining overall export growth is to rebuild pork consumption in markets outside of China, especially in the Western Hemisphere. On the pork side, China has clearly been driving huge trade volumes out of all of the major exporting countries. So last year, that increase of about 25%. And we think that even if China's imports pull back, there is big room for growth into the rest of the world. When China pulled all these imports from the major exporters, it pulled them away from other markets, meaning less supplies or consumption per capita. So again, there's room to rebuild this consumption outside of China and room for even bigger import growth, which is actually our exports, if this consumption were to rebound faster. So there's a lot of concern about where does all this product go when China slows down, and there is a lot of potential to rebuild consumption outside of China. Big opportunities not only in Mexico, but also in Central and South America and Dominican Republic. And it's important to note, too, that a lot of these markets, especially in the Western Hemisphere, we compete less with Europe. So when China slows down, we know European pork will show up in all the other markets, as was the case in the past, like when Russia closed to Europe. But we have big growth potential here in the Western Hemisphere, which is harder for Europe to compete in. That's our backyard and where we compete best. The Meat Export Federation economist notes that when China's demand for imported pork surged following confirmation of African swine fever in China, pork consumption pulled back in some other major import markets. She says there are excellent opportunities to rebuild this demand. Even with the recent increase in exports to China, Borer says the U.S. pork industry is well positioned to meet this challenge because it is the least China-reliant among the major pork exporters. As far as China reliance, U.S. is by far the least reliant. So as a share of production, Chile, over 40 percent, has been going to China. Canada has been as high as 34 percent, Brazil 20 percent. EU has been as high as 14 percent. And U.S., we topped out at 8 percent. The U.S. Meat Export Federation reports that pork export value was $749.2 million dollars up 10% from a year ago, and the fourth highest on record. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The most common disease affecting older dogs is arthritis. 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will have more on that coming up right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The most common disease affecting older dogs is arthritis, but veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells us there are a lot of options for treating it. The number one treatment for arthritis is weight loss. Since about 80% of the dogs and 60% of the cats in this country are overweight, weight loss is a good place to start. Although giving your pet a medication for arthritis is easier, weight loss is very effective at decreasing symptoms of arthritis, although it is not a quick fix. However, it is the least expensive of all the treatments for arthritis and the safest, but getting your pet to lose weight is not easy. Although some dogs are overweight because of hypothyroidism, most pets are overweight because they are eating too many calories and are not burning off those calories with exercise. And unless you have all the time in the world, exercising your dog is unlikely to result in significant weight loss. Most pets are being fed too much food, and the food is too high in calories or both. So while looking into medication and the supplements for arthritis is a good idea, Committing to weight loss should be the number one priority if your pet is overweight. If you are feeding treats and table food, weight loss will not occur and medication and supplements will not be effective. Many of the commonly used medications for arthritis in dogs are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs and these can damage the liver and kidneys of the animal. However, these drugs are effective at reducing pain and inflammation and your vet can advise you on the best medications for your pet. Hundreds of supplements are sold over the counter for arthritis in dogs and cats, and some of them are helpful in at least decreasing the dose of the NSAIDs required. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Chronic wasting disease is making its presence known here in Texas, and the move is on to keep it in check. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. On Tuesday, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department issued an emergency order imposing additional movement restrictions and testing requirements on deer breeding facilities affiliated with six other facilities where chronic wasting disease has been found. John Solovsky, TPWD Wildlife Division Director, says the order adds on to rules that were already in place restricting CWD-positive facilities from moving deer and other susceptible wildlife. So those were already locked down, but we also had some additional facilities that were also indirectly connected to either those trace facilities or the original six positive facilities. We removed their movement qualified status so that they couldn't continue to move deer and we could complete our epidemiological investigation to make sure that we didn't have CWD in places that we were unaware of. The order also adds on to the CWD testing requirements that were already in place. The goal of the rules is to prevent the spread of CWD to protect both wild and captive deer populations. 
The concern is deer from not only these six positive facilities, but also some of those trace facilities. Not only did they go to other breeding facilities, but they also went to release sites, which means those deer are not in a pen. They're out there in the pasture doing what deer do, you know, and so the potential for additional exposure to other free-ranging deer is higher with those deer than they are with deer that are in a breeding facility. That was John Solofsky, TPWD Wildlife Division Director. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We're seeing good strength in the cattle markets this week, so how did things wrap up on Wednesday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle futures were trying to find some support for much of the day Wednesday after closing higher on Tuesday. Live cattle for August down 30 cents to 122.87. Live cattle for October down 20 cents to 128.17. Feeder cattle for August down $2.65 to 155.70. September feeder cattle down $2.27 to 15807. October feeder cattle down $2.15 to 15997. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle beller, we've got an alleyway full of them to sell, or ones that have been sold in this case, at Riley Roads, Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers. Riley, how'd the Monday sale go? Uh, market's still really good, Larry. Um, ended up with 823 head today. Had some pretty decent pairs, bring from 800 to 1300. Some red cows from 7 and a quarter up to 1225. High yielding packer cows, 72 to 80. Your breaker, 66 to 74. Canners, 44 to 68. Uh, packer bulls, 92 to a dollar up on your high yielding bulls, 72 to 92 on your low to medium yielding bulls. The two to three weight choice steers, 174 to 202. Heifer mates, 148 to 176. Three to four weight choice steers, 164 to 184. Heifer mates, 142 to 160. Four to five weight choice steers, 166 to 184. Heifer mates, 138 to 156. Five to six weight choice steers, 158 up to 180. Heifer mates, 138 to 154. Uh, six to seven weight choice steers, 142 to 158. Heifer mates, 128 to 142. And the seven to eight weight uh, cattle, the choice steers, 124 to 138. And the heifers, 116 to 128. Good. Do you know of anything for next go round? Probably about the same, Larry. You know, 800 to 1,000. I know some smaller consignments for next week, uh, but uh, I think it'll kind of be in that range before the 4th of July since we're going to be closed on that July 5th. Tell everybody how to contact your Riley Roads. 
361-786-2553 is the office. 361-813-6650 is the cell. Uh, <clears throat> LiveOakLivestock.com is the webpage. And I uh, also really want to thank everybody for coming out today and supporting Driscoll Children's Hospital. We had a really good uh, benefit sale for them, and it's much appreciated. You bet. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, Larry. Always doing what he can for his community. That's Riley Rose, Live Oak Livestock, Three River Sales of Every Monday. And I'm Larry Marble. I'm the host of Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Traders were cautious when it came to lean hog futures on Wednesday. Those futures took a nosedive after gains seen earlier in the week. Lean hogs for July down $3 to $104.52. Lean hogs for August down $2.97 to 172 Cheese prices rose Wednesday, but it didn't provide much support to the Class 3 milk futures. Class 3 milk for July up a nickel to $16.53 a hundredweight. Cotton saw triple-digit gains on Wednesday. October cotton up 107 points to 87.63. December cotton up 130 points to 86.94. USDA says 96% of the intended cotton crop in Texas is already in the ground. Corn futures Wednesday were lower for the December new crop. Corn for September down two to 551 even. Corn for December down three and a quarter to 535 and three quarters. We saw some gains in the hard red wheat futures. Hard red wheat for September up 14 and three quarters to 620 and three quarters. Hard red wheat for July up 15 and a half to 612. Soybeans for July down nine and a half Wednesday to thirteen eighty five. Soybeans for November down two to thirteen hundred and a quarter. Natural gas for July up seven cents to three thirty seven. Natural gas for August up seven cents to three thirty five. Crude oil for August up twenty seven cents to seventy three twelve a barrel. Crude oil for September up thirty two cents to seventy two thirty seven a barrel. Now let's check our financial markets. The Dow down 10 points to 33,935. The S&P 500 up 3 points to 4,249. The Nasdaq up 37 points to 14,291. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.